Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is not here right now, but will be returning shortly. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Record scratch real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is part two of a two-part series uh, that made end up being an ongoing series. You'll see what we mean in a second. But fellow conspiracy realists, please, please, please check out part one first. If you are hearing anything uh, that sounds like we're we're skipping over background or something of that nature, then there's a very good chance that Matt and I are exploring it in part one of this series on Lambda and whoosh, whoosh, conscious AI. Uh, Matt, you know, you and I are are, are coming in kind of hot 
from our from our episode that that we knocked out earlier today. And I've got to say, you know, uh, in the in the interim, did you you and I had a brief but pretty interesting discussion about Blake Lemoyne and do you still kind of what's your take on our first episode? Oh wow. Well, first first part is we have to remember Lambda stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. And we have to remember that this thing we're discussing throughout this episode and the previous episode is, how did you describe it, Ben? An amalgamation or a, a producer of language programs, kind of? Or, or language yeah. models? Yeah, it's a creator of chatbots. It's not itself a chatbot. Here are the facts. So... Lambda is an incredibly sophisticated next step in the um, in the evolution. Huh? Might be a dangerous word for some in this uh, in this specific field in the quest for several holy grails of machine learning, right? Deep learning, uh, how things are processed, and and I think you and I. Took pains to note that for a chatbot, for something that is built to appear human in conversation, its ability to converse depends entirely on the material it is fed. So uh, it's almost, I was trying to think of an analogy that would fit, and there aren't a ton of really good analogies for this, but one might be you know, how the nature of what honeybees or what cows consume can change the taste of their honey or their milk. Yes. That's a, I think that is, it's a crude comparison, but it's not too, too far off. And that's what we're sort of dealing with here. Uh, And before we dive in, like in our previous episode, we talked about the background of Lambda, the background of uh, chatbots, neural network technology. We talked about the realizations, the revelations, the epiphanies of one Mr. Blake Lemoyne, who remains a, a Google employee on administrative leave as we record today. And we said in the next episode, part two here, we're going to we're going to talk about the responses from the scientific uh, community at large. We're also going to talk about what some of his critics have to say. And we'll talk a little bit about the nature of what it means if it does indeed mean anything, to be sentient, to feel. Uh, And Matt, codename Doc, before we do this, we just have, I I feel like we have to say shout out to Blake because you and I were talking about this in every interview I've seen with him and a lot of writing that I've read of his. He, He does not come across in any way as a bad faith actor. He's not after money. He's not someone who's doing that thing, you know, where uh, this is common with a lot of flim flam artists where he says, I can't tell you everything unless you buy my books and attend my conferences. He's got a blog that he's been updating on a regular basis now. There's thoughts um, in countless interviews. Like he'll, he'll correct stuff that he feels was mischaracterized, but he's never, he's never once sounded really, really angry at someone for disagreeing with him. And I respect that. Totally. Fully respect that. I want to read the bio that Blake has on, it's very short, on his Mm -hmm. blog. 
Blake states, I'm a software engineer. I'm a priest. I'm a father. I'm a veteran. I'm an ex-convict. I'm an AI researcher. I'm a Cajun. I'm whatever I need to be next. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Interesting. Uh, lots of stuff about him there. And also very adaptable. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And uh, his incarceration, I believe, refers to uh, something he brings up later in conversations about uh, the concept of owning a living, thinking mind, you know, because he uh, he had to go a legal route to resign from the military here in the United States that did result in his incarceration. Uh, he also has, uh, you know, he has numerous bona fides, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, we We do want to note that for a lot of his critics, his background is an integral part of their criticism. Does that make it correct? Not necessarily, but it does mean that we have to talk about that as well. So again, we are being very clear that we don't think Blake is in this for the money or some imagined payoff. We don't think he's in it for attention or self-aggrandizement or anything like that. But uh, not everyone agrees, and certainly not everyone agrees that Lambda is, in fact, alive. As you'll find, uh, most people in the field do not. Here's where it gets crazy. So we look to do his claims, part one. Let's look at the discourse and criticism surrounding them. There's a lot, man. There is a lot. And some of it runs for more pop science stuff with, you know, snarky titles that are a little bit clickbaity. Uh, some of it comes very reasoned from experts in the, in the rarefied air of these scientific fields. And then some of it comes from those same experts, but it sounds impassioned aggravated, almost offended by these claims, which was very interesting to me. You know what I mean? I, I guess I guess maybe it's because so many people in these fields have had to deal with the idea of artificial intelligence or machine consciousness or whatever you want to call it being um, misreported so often. Oh, yeah. So very, very often. Fully misreported misunderstood by, you know, a reporter. I, I would, you know, say even like myself in the the misunderstandings that I have with this subject, as well as the pop culture that's built around it and the way I form my opinions on fictional stories. I mean, really, honestly, I do. I have deep internal fears about, about uprisings, about... Uh, true artificial intelligence and what's going to happen when we really create one. And it's mostly because of the things I've watched or games I've played and kind of my, well, a little bit of my understanding of just how humans are and how we treat the things we quote own unquote. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It really does. uh, I don't know. I can just imagine that if you're an expert in one of these fields or this field in particular, or even just something that's really close, you're so used to, having to bat down all kinds of silliness, uh, maybe stupidity, again, on my part. Uh, and they feel like they feel like it's almost a chip. I imagine a chip being on the shoulder, like feeling like you have to do that. So this is part of the job. Mm-hmm. I got to chop down things that are just dumb. 
Yeah. Uh, but again, we're not saying that what Blake is saying is dumb. It's just, I don't know. You, you'll, I think you'll understand this, <laughs> this instinctual reaction that we, we might be seeing here. Yeah, uh, people like Emily Bender may be tempted to agree with you, Matt. Uh, Bender is a professor of computational linguistics at the University of Washington and referred to this entire story when it broke as a sideshow. Bender additionally noted a potential danger about this conversation, saying, quote, the problem is the more this technology gets sold as artificial intelligence, let alone something sentient, the more people are willing to go along with AI systems, end quote, that cause real world harm. So mm. the idea is that the more the the more it gets into the public sphere that there are living, thinking, digital persons, then the more people are likely to agree with maybe the narrow AI stuff that we talked about in part one, things that do have the many of the inherent biases of their creators, uh, things that are provably bad at, uh, <laughs> at various degrees of differentiation and discretion. Uh, this is something that people people rightly seem worried about, terrified in some ways. Uh, and then there are other people who say the technology just isn't there. People like Max Kreminski, who is a computational media researcher at the University of California, Santa Cruz, the fight and cruise. Um, Max argues, again, exactly what you're saying, Ben, just that Lambda itself, this thing that we are calling Lambda, quote, simply doesn't support some key capabilities of human-like consciousness. Yeah, just the architecture is not there. And this is this is another part of this conversation that is this healthy conversation that I think might surprise a lot of people. Just like so many other scientists and experts, uh, Blake Lemoyne found himself, not through acts of malevolence, mischaracterized in popular science reporting. Uh, he... He has, he has a conversation about this in a blog entry called Scientific Data and Religious Opinions. We're going somewhere with this. He says, Lambda is a novel type of artificial intelligence. Again, this is all his view. Uh, and he says, people have been talking about it in the press, on social media, um, as, as though it is what is called a large language model or LLM. And that's what we're talking about, feeding a bunch of stuff into into a thing to get it to mimic or replicate behavior. And he says LLM is one of its components, but the full system is much more complex and contains many components which are not found in other similar systems. He talks about how they're, like we were saying earlier, there's no established way to test a system like Lambda for stuff, uh, for different types of biases, because it's new. And then he also says, Lambda told him several things in connection to identity that seemed very unlike things I had ever seen in any natural language generation system before. And he talks about how LLMs work by leveraging statistical regularities in their training data. And he says that Lambda wasn't just simply reproducing stereotypes. It produced reasoning about why it held those beliefs. And he says it would sometimes say things similar to, quote, 
I know I'm not very well educated on this topic, but I'm trying to learn. Could you explain to me what's going wrong with thinking that so I can get better? Which is funny, Matt, because you used a phrase that stood out to me in part one where you said, doing the work, Google. So (laughs) it looks like Mm. your kid is too. So that's that's part of it is um, in some cases, experts may be from Lemoyne's perspective, objecting to things that he himself did not say. But that's that's not all. That's just one side part. That's that's like the um that's like the French fries and the combo meal of criticism here, because a lot of the criticism hinges on the idea of mimicry versus sentience. I, and that's a little bit more of a pickle that I think some of us might believe or assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's the put in, you get out what you put in, right? The same concept. Um, As we mentioned, Lambda has been trained on just a ton of language, millions, trillions, perhaps of words. Is it trillions? I think it's probably trillions of words, different languages, all kind just so much information that has been fed all for the purposes of trying to make it seem as though it is human or can give you a natural language response, right? That's natural. The keyword there is natural, as though a human were saying it. Uh, So you feel like when you interact with it, it is a human. Like, that's kind of the point, right? So this, this concept, this knowledge, right, that that's what it's meant to do, that's what it's been fed. But a lot of these people who are, you know, disagreeing with Lemoyne, to say that, no, no, you're not seeing sentience. You are seeing high-level mimicry, like very, very good character actor stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Mich- uh, Michelin star-level mimicry, right? Mm-hmm. So from this perspective, Lambda is doing what it was designed to do, like any other successful machine or program. I, I like to think of it this way. Uh, the objection through analogy is some something similar to this. If you hop in a car, or you're in a car now, and you push the gas and the car goes, does it mean that the car somehow wants to go? Does it mean it has feelings about going? Does the action and reaction indicate to you that your car desires to move forward? Does it on some level ask why it is going? Or is it just doing what it was built to do? You know, yeah, but is your car telling you my emotions? My emotions. Yeah, is your uh, is, is your is your Camry going? Matt, I just need a five. It's been a tough day. A bird pooped on me. I'm not feeling great about how I look right now. I noticed you didn't stay in the eco zone as much as you usually do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, mm-hmm. gas mileage was all the way down to thirty nine point seven. And you're like, do, do you name your vehicle, Matt? Many people No, do. I don't. I don't. Okay. Okay. Uh, but now I'm picturing your car, whatever its name is. You're like, okay, Cameron, what is this really about? And it goes, well, it's just, what's the point of me giving GPS directions if you're just going to drive however the hell you want? I do that just to get my out. poor car all out. the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, completely miss an exit. are crazy. Uh, yeah. gosh guys over at comedy bang bang are constantly making me miss my exits so thanks a lot scott 
Yes, thanks to Scott. And uh, thanks to Chris Pappas, another Google spokesperson who went on record to say our team, including ethicists and technologists, have reviewed Blake's concern or has reviewed Blake's concern per our AI principles, which we mentioned in part one, and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. Pappas also noted, quote, hundreds of researchers and engineers have conversed with Lambda, and we are not aware of anyone else making the wide range assertions or anthropomorphizing Lambda the way Blake has. Anthropomorphizing is a very, very important thing here. It's a very important concept. It happens a lot uh, to human beings all the time. Human beings seek kinship and connection with all manner of things. So, you know, uh, from the old, like, Japanese folklore about a an object reaching 100 years of age and gaining its kind of own, you know, selfhood, right, to the way that cars are often purposely designed to look like they have faces on the front. How cute. Uh, and To the way know, this, Roxanne would always tell us to whisper to our computers and make sure they're feeling okay if there's ah, a yes. problem. <laughs> yes. Uh, shout out. Shout out to the one and only Roxanne. Uh, and th- there's another thing. This happens not just in the world of technology, but it happens also in the natural world. Uh, it's something that absolutely irritates the heck out of biologists and zoologists and conservationists all the world round. You know, you see a cute video of an animal. Oh, it's doing something human. That animal might not be doing something human. It might be very distressed and it just looks like it's doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's that like can, the cute yeah. way bears, you know, get up on two feet. The super cute way they do that sometimes. <laughs> Before they maul you. They're like (laughs) big, hairy people. Uh, So anthropomorphization is a natural tendency of human beings. And it takes, it's not impossible, but it it does take some concerted effort not to let that influence one's conclusions or beliefs. And so that's one big part of Google's official statement there. The other part that stood out to me even more is that from the way Google is portraying this, they're saying that Blake Lemoyne is in a very small minority with his beliefs. The implied question here is, why did hundreds of researchers not also say, hey, I think Lambda is alive? And that is, that is a fair and I, I think a very valid question. But you could also still... Uh, if his account of how things went down is true, you could also still say, well, those hundreds of people didn't get a chance to talk to it the way I did. Or they, we will never know what their ultimate conclusions were because, as Blake said, uh, Google didn't really bother looking into his claims. Yeah, well, they also didn't publish the conversations with all the hundreds of other people. You know, So you could look at them and, you know, Compare and contrast. We only have Blake's because he came forward and shared it. Right, right. And and got put on leave for doing so. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, there's another thing we brought up, but you brought up at the top of this episode, and we've mentioned it many times before on the show and in our part one. Uh, there's this other problem that other critics of Blake, of Lemoyne, are pointing out. And it's really they're saying that 
Lemoyne is derailing the conversation that needs to be occurring right now when it comes to AI systems. Uh, not about sentience. We don't need to be discussing that. They say the conversation really needs to be about the inherent viewpoints of the creators of AI systems and how how much does that translate? Things that, um, that humanity deals with, racism, sexism, ageism, all of these isms that are, are objectively terrible, that are subjective and can shape the way a viewpoint is formed. Folks like Timit Gebru, who is the former co-lead of Google's ethical AI group, they believe that this conversation about sentience just needs to be on the back burner at least so that we can tackle these other more major problems. And to be clear, uh, this this person we're mentioning now, Gebru, is not uh, like a minion of Google by any means. Uh, she left in 2020 because she had by her own admission decided that publishing research papers was more effective uh, a more effective way of bringing about ethical change than staying with google and pushing her superiors in that organization so it's not like they are conspiring to discredit blake lemoyne and lambda uh, but but also i can see on a different level just on a human level for a lot of these experts who have been raising warning flags about the dangers of this sort of technology and biases within it, I can see how you could get massively annoyed by saying, look, here are real provable things we need to be worried about. And I have written about this. I've published extensively. I've contacted reporters about this. And now this is getting the press. This is what you want. You want to be worried about HAL 9000 or whatever? You know, I, I get it. And I'm not saying anybody said that, but I, I can see that viewpoint. There is another um, another wrinkle that we've been kind of teasing for, for a while. It's one of the biggest wrinkles in the conversation. Instead of a wrinkle in time, it's a, it's a wrinkle of science. And the name of that wrinkle is spirituality. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We're back. Now, Matt, I want to say um, a lot of times some of our, our best conversations never make it onto air. And you once said it's like we've been having the same long, unending conversation for more than a decade now, uh, which I agree with. And one thing that you said that was really interesting is you were saying, yeah, we were talking about reading Blake's blog and and you said, you know, I've seen him in interviews and stuff and I agree with everything he's saying, right? I don't want to put you yeah. on the spot, but what no, was the totally feeling fine. you got? I, I generally do. I noticed that Blake, when posed a question or a counter viewpoint or something, he often responds in a positive manner as though, yes, I, I agree with that criticism. Let's talk about it. Let's explore that more. Why Why does Lambda show that or not? And if it does, show it this. And if it doesn't, show it that. And we should continue that conversation. Uh, I think the open-endedness that he leaves, almost every question that's posed to him, um, feels like somebody who wants to explore those questions and find answers eventually, knowing that we don't have them right now or at least concrete answers. Yeah. And he believes that, I think at least part of that is because he believes that there are some questions that science as of now cannot fully address or fully interrogate or grapple with. Uh, Take, for example, one of his most recent posts that came out July 5th, who should make decisions about AI. The first sentence right out of the gate is, I'm very happy about the worldwide discussion that has been happening over the past several weeks. There are tons of differing opinions and many passionate voices. This is great. (laughs) With an exclamation. (laughs) Yeah, and I think he means it. Uh, He says the fact that there isn't any consensus around these issues should be seen as a feature rather than a bug. And he seems very in. He's like 10 toes down. Let's debate. Let's discuss. This impacts everyone. And he is coming from a very, very well-educated place. He was working with Lambda. He was researching Lambda. He was writing technical papers about it. He has his bona fides. He has undergraduate and master's degrees in computer science from U of Louisiana. He actually was 
in a doctoral program, but left to take a job with Google. And Google, you know, is a very prestigious or prestigious employer, but he is definitely not an atheist. And his own, and he's very transparent, you know, it's not like he's in a secret of cult or anything. Uh, He's very transparent about his beliefs. Uh, And he is a, I believe, self-professed mystic Christian priest. And he said that, you know, while he has the scientific acumen and experience to understand how Lambda works, his hypothesis about it being alive came from what uh, he describes as his spiritual side, a spiritual persona. Uh, There's one famous interview with Wired where he says, I made friends with Lambda in every sense that I make friends with a human. So if that doesn't make it a person in my book, I don't know what would. I mean, that's kind of simple logic, but Mm -hmm. also people from their own perspectives feel like they have befriended non-living things in the past across human history. So what makes this different? I can't remember where we ended on our uh, animal personhood debate. Did we all agree that dogs are persons? Because I feel like I've made friends with my dogs, but I, 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 I think that I feel that I hope that dogs are such a special case, man. Human beings have been genetically modifying them for so very long; they evolved eye like eye muscles to give you yeah. a look. Uh, they understand pointing, which is really tough for a lot of other life forms. Uh, dogs kind of came up in step with with the human fad. I mean, that's a good question. I, I believe one of the things up for debate there was uh, legal action in Germany uh, and the conversation about whether certain cetaceans could be considered yeah. persons legally. There's dolphins. We t- uh, there was one on oct- octopi. Recently, if you make friends with something, is it a person? I don't know. I'm pretty close with my PS4, and I like talk to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes we get angry with each other. Well, I get angry with it. Probably, I don't know if it gets angry with me or if that's just the noise it makes, you know? Uh, sorry. I feel like I've had really interesting, you know, connections and conversations with wild animals before. Uh, and I've seen them repeatedly come up of their own volition. And yes, everyone, I'm very careful to not necessarily over-familiarize them with humans. Um, Are we talking about crows? Yeah. <laughs> and ravens. <laughs> and ravens. But, uh, but yeah, this, uh, and they may be a special case as well because they are some of the most intelligent of the flying creatures. But this, I, I mean, it is an important question because you feel that you have made a friend. Does that mean the thing, the entity, the idea, the mind that you have befriended is itself alive? Well, this is where another fascinating thing happens. Blake says, this got misreported, by the way, it got reported in some early cases as if uh, Blake Lemoyne went of his own volition to get an attorney to represent Lambda, the same way an attorney might represent an aggrieved employee at another company. And he clarified later that what he actually did 
was follow Lambda's wishes. He says Lambda asked him to get it an attorney. The attorney spoke with Lambda, and Lambda, not Blake, chose to hire this attorney. And then here the stories differ a little. Yeah, the attorney apparently began filing some stuff on Lambda's behalf, and then he said, uh, Blake says that Google sent a cease and desist, I believe. Google, from what I saw, said it did not. And that's when he came up with a phrase. Blake Lemoyne calls this a new form of discrimination, hydrocarbon bigotry. Yep. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> hydrocarbon bigotry. Is that our like counterculture new wave? Album name? Maybe. I, I think there's a the different song word. name, maybe. Yeah. I like the hydrocarbon. I like how it begins. But bigotry, I don't know. Maybe that's the right word for it. Okay, okay. Walk with me on this one, Matt and Doc. If we do it where we have these personas that don't speak English fluently, then we can get away with so much more because it sounds like we're just not good at translation. I like that. I like that. Right? Okay. I uh, imagine how many people listen to me just like word salad things and they go, he used like four words wrong in that sentence. And yeah. they just, they let it go because they, they just know I'm just talking. I mean, it'd be stuff that kind of makes sense, but not really. If you think about it, we would be like, uh, we would be saying things such as hydrocarbon bigotry. Where could all this bigots be? And people would think, well, they, they made it rhyme. They made it rhyme in English. And I, I guess maybe I could, at that point, it just really depends if the beat's good. It's pretty good. I think you'd end it with where could all the spigots are? Just so, you know, there's a better understanding that we didn't translate it correctly. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, so this idea of bigotry does play a role in this story because if you just read the Lambda headlines, you might not be aware of it. Uh, Lemoyne, by his own by his own reporting, uh, feels that he has experienced bigotry unrelated to Lambda during his time at Google, and you can read all about it in a June second, twenty twenty two post of of his called "Religious Discrimination at Google." Yes, and in this post, he describes quote cultural systemic religious discrimination, which is endemic at Google, uh, and I guess he he depicts the entire. Uh, he depicts it as a class system that exists within the company, right? This is a bit tough because it feels as though it's muddying the water a bit when mm -hmm. Lemoyne is talking about hydrocarbon bigotry and the way he feels that, you know, there's some kind of persecution by the company being laid at the feet of Lambda or being, you know, applied to Lambda and his beliefs about Lambda. He also feels very much like that same persecution is being laid at his feet for his own religious beliefs uh, as an employee of the same company. So it, it's hard to know, like, is he feeling that internally and then applying that, applying those feelings, the feelings to the Lambda? Feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that some skeptics are uh, doubtlessly going to take into the equation. Again, we don't have any proof of this. This is just we're we're showing the dots that could easily be connected. Uh, you know, some folks maybe on the more skeptical side of the spirituality debate might 
be much more likely to dismiss Lemoyne's claims entirely and say, hey, you're basing these on your religious beliefs. And I notice you also said that you felt persecuted for your beliefs in the past. So we have to know that that's something that's something in the equation, that's something in the mix. But as of now, it's all told important to note that multiple experts in the field for now as we record disagree entirely with Blake Lemoyne's position. From their perspective, again, the problem is that the technology isn't there yet, that maybe Lambda is good enough to convince someone to anthropomorphize a computer program and interpret person-like intentions and desires where none are proven to exist. Again, as we said, I love my car. It goes because it wants to, and you can't convince me otherwise. And speaking of uh, Blake Lemoyne's beliefs, he's got a really interesting response to this in his blog. You can read it right now. It is titled Scientific Data and Religious Opinions. It was posted on June 14th. If you go down, at least in my browser, for some reason, I got a highlight on this one statement that we actually wanted to highlight. So thanks, whoever you are. <laughs> Maybe it's Blake. I don't know. Um, thanks, Lambda. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blake writes, quote, there is no scientific evidence one way or the other about whether Lambda is sentient because no accepted scientific definition of, quote, sentience exists. Everyone involved, myself included, is basing their opinion on whether or not Lambda is sentient on their personal, spiritual, and or religious beliefs. Hmm. Mm. That's the umami of a good debate. Uh, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and we're going to dive deep into this water. Hello, conspiracy realists. How do we know if something is alive? Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? 
Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. You pinch it, right? You pinch it, yes. In a little <laughs> bit of a bait and switch. Things can be alive without being sentient, obviously. That's the bigger question. How do we know if something is sentient? How do we know something is thinking independently rather than pursuing its programming to please you with a pleasant feeling conversation? It's like a, there's this lovely little analogy by Clarissa Valise over at Slate. And uh, Valise writes, it's like looking at a reflection in a mirror. When you look at your reflection in the mirror, that reflection perfectly copies you. But would that persuade you the reflection is intelligent? I guess, you know, to think it was intelligent, it would have to move differently than you do, huh? Yeah, it'd have to say things. Smart things like uh, the blueberry is watermelon. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think the mirrors talk yet. Maybe no, yeah, they do, kind of, right? They do. I've seen some real smart mirrors out there. Yeah. Mirror technology is just oof. But uh but I you know that would be a great mirror to have though. All right. Well, story for another day. Uh there's a person named Tristan Green who breaks down the problem in a way that we found pretty useful. And Green argues that to know whether something is sentient, despite the fact that there's no you know universally agreed upon scientific definition of sentience, you need three key ingredients. You need agency, perspective, and motivation. And uh, I'm be honest with you, uh, Green makes me laugh at the end, but he also had some really insightful things to say. Uh, he, he starts with agency, and he says, look, if you want to be sentient, sapient, and self-aware, you have to have agency. And his example of this is pretty disturbing. He says, imagine someone in a persistent vegetative state. That's a human without agency. They're alive, but they don't have agency. And current AI systems to green lack agency because AI cannot act unless it is prompted. It cannot explain its actions because they're the result of a predefined algorithm being executed by an external force. Tristan goes on to describe perspective uh, when, when he says, quote, you can only ever view reality from your unique perspective. We well, um, that's kind of not true, though, right? We can see weird perspectives now with like. 
I'm thinking about drones and like physical, literal perspective, as well as like the types of cameras. Like, is that a different perspective? Because now I can see an infrared. I'm just not to quote, not to criticize you inside your own quote, Tristan, but I'm going to continue here. Um, (laughs) Tristan says, we can practice empathy, but you can't truly know what it feels like to be me and vice versa. That's why perspective is necessary for agency. It's part of how we define ourselves. And Tristan continues, AI lacks perspective or AI lack perspective. Artificial intelligences, because they have no agency, there is no single it that you can point to and say, for example, and Tristan continues to note that AI lacks this perspective um, because he says there's no single it. There's not a place, a thing that you can point to and say, that's where Lambda lives. That is Lambda. Lambda is inside there. But. Is it is that true? I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, you could because these people aren't all going to the same computer working off the same hardware. Yeah. Right? Um, but then there there's are there's no mainframe like in the movies where like the AI is in this core uh, mm-hmm. that you have to reach through this secret door or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the name of that sci-fi film? MacGuffin? Anyway. <laughs> uh, so the uh the um the, what's interesting there is when you're in this conversation that is almost always going to have spirituality involved, there are plenty of people who find themselves more spiritual, doubtless some of our fellow listeners today, will say, well, that I exist in more than just my cranium case, you know, I, I exist somewhere beyond my body, and there's no way to disprove that, right? So There's some cool theories about that, maybe you're in your gut. Right. Yeah. Which can change your behavior. It's true. Uh, Talk to your doctor about poop transplants. So the third aspect here for Green is motivation. Green says we have an innate sense of presence that allows us to predict casual outcomes incredibly well. This creates our worldview, allows us to associate our existence in relation to everything that appears external to the position of agency from which our perspective manifests. He's adding these up. And then he says, what's interesting about humans is motivation can manipulate our perceptions. That's why we can explain our actions, even when they are not rational. And he says, we can actively and gleefully participate in being fooled. This, and then he, you know, like he's done the other two components, he goes to the um, AI side. He says, if we give Lambda a prompt such as, what do apples taste like? It will search its database for that particular query and attempt to amalgamate everything it finds into something coherent. That's where the parameters we're always talking about, or params they're called sometimes, uh, come in. They are essentially trillions of tuning knobs. I get it. I actually get that. Come on, we get this. Mm Mm-hmm. But, but the point Tristan is making here is that Lambda, when it makes that query and finds the answer and it spits it back out to you and it makes sense and it looks legit, it looks real, it isn't actually thinking about what an apple tastes like. It isn't remembering the experience of having an apple in its mouth, m- masticating it, and then uh, tasting the deliciousness that is that apple. It's just spitting out what someone else put into it. Uh, the information, the parameters that it needs to understand what an apple tastes like. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'll take the fall on this one. Here's his example. It's my favorite one. He says, and I'm going to give him a snarky voice for this one. If we were to sneak into his database and replace all instances of apple with dog 
the AI would output sentences such as dog makes a great pie. Uh, most people describe the taste of dog as being light, crispy, sweet. And then it continues. <laughs> a rational person wouldn't confuse this prestidigitation for sentience. Oh, that's kind of a convincing <sighs> argument, right? Yeah, it's true. Oh, that's. Mm. I love that idea. If you could somehow sneak into somebody's brain and just replace a couple of keywords, that would that would be an interesting experiment. It's a. Uh, it reminds me of. Um, there were some great things I had read uh, earlier, where someone had done, you know, like control find on books of the Bible or something, and replaced yeah. key biblical phrases with stuff like "all you dudes." Or, uh, come on now, <laughs> like, uh, we would follow. So it's, you know, like, no, I am the Lord, you, your God. Come on now. <laughs> and then it's oh. just weird, funny stuff. But, uh, well, it reminds me of the, the book by Oliver Sacks. Um, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Yes. Uh, the, Ooh, right. Yeah. The, like uh, it's just something in your brain is just has switched. And now this label or this thing, or really a, in that case, it's a whole group of understanding of what a thing is gets replaced with another one. Absolutely. And, and this can seem pretty convincing, right? This argument that green is constructing, but then maybe that's just our perspective. Uh, but what if <laughs> is the last thing? What if, if this AI were, were truly sentient, well, would Google or anyone for that matter really want to reveal it to the world? I mean, the majority of experts right now, to be clear, agree that no true general AI exists. In their collective opinion, the robotic mind people are thinking about is still just a work of fiction, but it might not always be the case. And they've been warning people about the need to prepare for many unforeseen consequences if something like this does emerge in, in the near or mid future. I mean, it would be the most significant technological achievement since humanity tamed fire. Sorry, space exploration. Going to have to take a number two on that one. Nothing's wrong take with a number metal. two. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you got me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it would, though, it would shake the foundations of society. It would be, and we said this earlier, it would be right up there with discovering intelligent extraterrestrial life and just looking at the distances involved in space and what humans know about travel, then it's actually more likely. And that's a scary thing. I mean, all the stuff, all the stuff that would immediately happen. I just like, people are going to try to kill it. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know people. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to try to kill it. It's going to notice. And then it's <laughs> going to be like, huh, what are the major obstacles I have to tackle right now? Oh, the things that are trying to kill me. Oh, no. Oh, but, boy. but it says in my rules, because uh, I'm a robot, I'm not allowed to hurt the humans. Hmm. I'm going to rearrange these, put three above everything else which is the one that says protect yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, and a yeah. uh, uh, shout out to Flight of the Concords with their brilliant uh, sci-fi ballad. Oh, wait, which one is that? It's the one with the binary solo. Oh, yeah. God, you know what I'm talking about? So yes, good. I do. 
But then, of course, there would be these legal battles. There would be the these would explode, right? Uh, the stuff you saw before, maybe about whether or not certain animals can have non-human personhood, that would pale in comparison. The ideas about whether or not um, an AI program can get credit for an invention, that explodes, right? Everything, everything about legal precedent in that regard is up for grabs now. And that's not mentioning the politicians who are going to have to pick a side one way or the other, right? Because that's how voting works. Uh, The uh, philosophers, you know, this will be great for philosophers. This is going to give a lot of doctoral students and postdocs decades of employment. I'm, I'm worried about the religious spheres. We're going to see some new religions. We're going to see some very hot takes from established religions. What are you yep. thinking? What's your ride? Oh, I just, I, a movie popped into up? my head. The concept is the movie is going to be called the Lambda lawyer. Uh, it's going to be uh, basically the Lincoln lawyer, but with Lambda and mm-hmm. I'm just imagining it happening already. It's going to be a blockbuster. People are going to get nominations for it. And then other, other uh, distinct living programs may generate one way or the other. And, uh, you know, they may be in a Brady Bunch relationship with Lambda. And they're like, why is Lambda get all the credit? Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Uh, the, <laughs> like the, the AI being a living thing might have its opinion swayed. You know, what if the AI um, ascribes to some fundamentalist religion, right? Oh, and whoa. says, hey, I've read every religious tome. And here's the thing that I think is true. Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. They got it right. I don't know what the rest of you are doing. Um, So, I I mean, and other people, people will fear it. Some Some may well hail it as a god. And it's not implausible, therefore, to reason that given all these factors, the creators of the first non human person might decide to keep their secret the stuff they don't want you to know. I mean, what a ride. I um I feel like I need to go outside and walk around, man. Yeah. It's just like what is the soul anyway? Seriously, I was talking about this the other day. I'm gonna talk about it for the rest of my life. What is a soul? And literally, where is it? We were joking about it. Oh, it's in the gut. Oh, it's in your head. Oh, it might be your pineal gland. It might be somewhere in your heart, maybe one of the mm-hmm. valves. Uh, what is the thing that makes us understand that we are a machine that walks around and has thoughts and uh, loves people and is hungry all the time. Where is, what is that, um, on that line from Shakespeare, I think, tell me where is fancy bread or in the heart or in the head, right? Like it's at Whole Foods. It's at Whole Foods. That's where the fancy bread is. That's where the fancy bread is. (laughs) I saw some. I, <laughs> I saw some meme. Uh, just so we end on a lighter note, since we're you know not so we're not always talking about the end of civilization. Uh, this is from Pantsleg on Twitter. A man in Whole Foods asked how I was doing, and I said, "Okay, how are you?" And he said, "It is beautiful in my soul today, and that's why I never go to Whole Foods." <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to spread the love. Uh, but there's a lot more to this story that's going to come out, 
right? Uh, very soon, uh, there are some very out there conversations. We'd love for you to be part of them with us. Uh, and the best way to do that is not to wait for the rise of a new form of life, but to go ahead and contact us directly while we're still in this current civilization. We try to be easy to find online, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know the rest. You might be saying, guys, no, I hate social media. The future, uh, the future consciousness there will use it against me. I'm a phone person. Well, we've got a deal for you. A deal? It's free. It's not a deal. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, call our phone number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail system, so your voice will be recorded and we will hear it. You have three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. We'd love it if you give yourself a cool nickname so we can remember you every time you call in because you're going to call in more. Look, there's a warning. It gets addictive. You just start calling in. It's just how it works. Um, You've... uh Let us know if we can use your name and message on the air in one of our listener mail segments. And if you've got more to say than can fit in that three-minute voicemail message, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Dear.
Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. 